your favorite fat boys. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite fat boy, Jerron. Stefan, a.k.a. Mayhem, a.k.a. the employee of every month, a.k.a. the asshole manager of your dream job. <laughs> you keep me on my toes with your quips. <laughs> keep me on my, to- my toes. Yeah, I got many names. What's up, everybody? Welcome again to your favorite fat boy podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about our first jobs and job experiences in the workplace and, you know, different play, things like work t- workplace politics, having good and bad managers, and the best and worst jobs we've had. You know, by being uh, the fall, you know, new things are coming in, new people getting jobs. It's time for employment. There you go. And everybody's hiring right now. So if you on your ass led to unemployment and you... I'm tired of this. I want a job. Let's not go there because a lot of these places might be hiring for bullshit pay. And we've been there. Yeah. But uh, I saw I saw a couple places that say the the, the, the starting is $13 and up. Even $13 an hour isn't enough to live off of. True. Work full time. But it's better than making eight fifty. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my God. Definitely. What, what, what were you making your first job? My first job, my first real job, I was at Pizza Hut. I was making two thirty eight an hour plus tips. Because minimum wage was like five twenty five, so and that was back in what two thousand and one. Oh yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> two thousand one, he was making five two thirty eight. Two thirty eight an hour plus tips. Sometimes you do better than minimum wage. Sometimes you do way worse than minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. My my first job wage was uh, six fifty. Oh look at you, all fancy and six fifty an hour, and I got tips. Ugh. Oh, fucking fancy you! That's because you were friends with the manager. My brother was <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> yeah. So, my, well, my first job was working as a barista at a coffee bar called Cozy. What well, was called X and O. X and O. Yeah. And then it was called later called Cozy. And there's probably I don't know how many other states in Maryland, but I know it's one in Racist Town. Yeah, it's one in Racist Town. So they specialize in sandwiches, salads. It was like coffees. Panera bread. Pre- it's, it was pre- Panera bread before it was Panera bread. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was working Panera bread. We'll get to that later. And my very first job was as a waiter at Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your experience uh, working at, at Pizza Hut? How long did you work there for? I worked at Pizza Hut for about a year. And... It was a customer service job, so it's always a grab bag. You got people who are assholes that you have to deal with and you have to smile about it because of the fact that they supplement your fucking income. Right. (laughs) And then you have management who, (coughs) I guess they feel like they should have accomplished more in life, but they're the manager at the Pizza Hut, so they're assholes too. They're just mad with their own life. Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) So again, customer service job. So you've been in customer service job. You understand that how what goes with with that. Yeah, Both from, you know the manager side and from the customer side. Absolutely. I worked. I worked at Cozy. I worked there from two thousand and one 
all through high school up until I want to say January 20, 2006 or February 2006. So I was there quite a long time. Right. You longevity in the job. Yeah. I mean, not so much. <laughs> I mean, it was, I worked when I was in high school, I worked there on the weekends. And then in the summertime, I might pick up more shifts. Part of that would be because of my illness. When I got, when I was 15, that's why I was diagnosed with my, with kidney disease. And so I was on steroids at the time. And so I wasn't feeling a hundred, I wasn't always feeling good. So they, they knew that and I told them about it and everything. So they had me on like one day a week, which is like maybe like Sundays, mostly Sundays. And then when I did get better, they might give me like another day or two, whatever. But I just, that's, I only worked maybe like two or three days, but I was, I was like clean up the tips though. I don't, on a busy day, I might walk away like 30, 40 bucks in tips. Hmm. So I think the best day I might have had might have been 50 bucks. Okay. And I wasn't serving. I was just making the drinks and the, and the waitress, the waiters or waitresses would tip us out. Right. So that, that was always a, a fun, good time. And it was simple. It was easy, easy as shit. Once you get to, once you learn what you're doing, I was making coffee drinks, making short order food and stocking up for the next shift. That was it. I was waiting and busting tables. Soft shoeing all day for the money, baby. <laughs> what would you, would you, do you remember the most you made? To, uh, the most I ever made in one night was, a, and again, it was hard fucking work because I had fucking 30 tables. I made $120. That was the most I ever made. The lowest amount I ever made in, again, a whole eight hour shift was 15 bucks. Kill everybody. <laughs> you, I wanted to at the end of the night. Fucking kill everybody. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Well, those high school jobs, you know, they not going to be the best thing. But like you said, it seems like you did just to make some money and then your managers are, are hating life. Like, the managers I had, they didn't, they didn't seem that way. You know, they, they, were, I don't know how much they're making as far as wage, but it seemed like it supported their lifestyle and their family. So they might, they've been probably making good money. At Pizza Hut, not so much. <laughs> so most of my managers loved me. Especially at pizza until they didn't, you know, certain situations come up and they's like, oh, okay, fuck you, mm-hmm. which I, I guess I get it. <laughs> Cause when an angry customer starts cussing you out, nobody gives a fuck about having the friends and alliances. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault at that point. Exactly. So fast forward here, you graduate college. I did. And what, what was your experience like trying to find a job then at that point? Oh gosh. That was. For, from from the time I graduated college to the time I got my first career in my degree field, took a year. Mm. Took a year to find a job. And that, and that was average pretty much back then. Yeah, I mean. I think, is that still like about the same amount of time nowadays? I guess it kind of, it depends, especially on, you know, your skill set. Because mm-hmm. I know quite a few people that I've worked with who right out of college, boom, in the same, you know, field, oh, okay. in, the, in the job where I worked. Mm-hmm. So beginning, yeah, it took me a year to find a, a a career in my degree field, which was a pain in the ass because of the amount of interviews that I went on and the, yeah. amount, of, and the amount of times where I get, oh wow, yeah, we really love you, but we're looking for somebody with a little more experience. Bitch, I just graduated, <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, clearly, I can I can do the job. So and, and so that was always a pain in the ass. But once you're able to get over the hump, especially in the software engineering field. You just kind of skyrocket. Okay, that's what you did. Yeah, but you have to get over the hump, and it's hard to get over the hump. Tell tell us about the time you uh when you got an offer and you waited too long. Oh, <laughs> I went to the interview. I killed this interview. They loved me. 
It was a Monday. They gave me an offer, but I was interviewing with a different company. So I wanted to see how those interviews were going because the company that I was interviewing with, the salary that they, they were promoting the job for was higher than the, the offer that I got. So I said, I wanted to see how this current thing that I'm interviewing for goes. Again, typically you have a week from an offer. You have a week. that That's an unwritten rule. You have a week to respond. Yay and nay to the offer. So I'm still interviewing with this company. It's a Friday. They haven't given me an offer. So the the original company, I call them and I say, hey, I want to accept your offer. And this white guy, and I hate it that he had to be white and he had to talk to me the way that he did. <laughs> so I don't want I don't want it to be a race thing. He was like, you took too long. I was like, it hasn't even been a week. You gave me the offer on Monday. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you should be grateful that we gave you this offer. This you, you, what do you think that we just hold a job for you? There's many, there's plenty of people who want this job. And I'm thinking like this old white motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, I hope it ain't a race thing. But when he said that I should be grateful that he offered, that they offered me a job, I knew it had to be a race thing. It was the way that, it was that grateful roll off right. his tongue. <laughs> you should have been, you should be grateful that we offered you this job. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was, that was, that was painful to even, do you remember? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I'll share, I'll share a, a painful interview I had. I was working for. Well, no, I'm sorry. I went. I went on an interview for for FedEx, and the position was like working overnight, unloading boxes and stuff like that, and packages. And the interviewer asked me, you know, what was I? What kind of prior work was I doing? So I told her, well, right now, I'm currently working for a temp agency, and I was working for McCormick Smith unloading garlic, 50 pound bags of garlic from one pallet to another pallet to get put on a truck. And it was, we would maybe do three hours worth of work if that or four hours at best. But it was grueling because it, we, we, it's like the middle of summer. Right. Garlic fucking stings when you sweat. Oh yeah. <laughs> Getting your pores and everything and you smell so much like it. It's like, it seems like it never comes out of your skin. Yeah. My father used to work for McCormick. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that garlic, man, it seemed like it never got out of my nostrils. It just seemed like that smell never got out of my car and my nostrils. So I told her what I was doing. She's like, really? And she's like, you don't want to, you don't want to continue working there? I said, no, I think I can, I would like to have a, I think I deserve a better opportunity somewhere else. And she's like, huh, I wonder, I don't want to buy less. I think, I wonder if I can do that kind of job. And I want to say, so bad, well, bitch, you go do it. <laughs> Cause that shit was grueling. Like, I, I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how tough you think you are. That, that 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 was back breaking labor. Oh, don't get me. Yeah, I did stockroom work. I know. <laughs> so like, and and it was like four of us working on these pallets, and these guys, two of the guys was what you know they you know muscle muscular guys. Now they weren't caught diesel, but they were in pretty good shape, and they were even like, huh, huh, you know, like because you in the fucking heat, and this shit's get, it's seeping your skins and it's burning. So you talking about you know oh, I I wonder if I can do it. Not this not a job I wouldn't mind. Bitch, go right ahead. Have at it. Say, so when I leave the position, you take it. Right. I think that's one of the, the jobs I had that I, I did not like. We'll get to the uh, the worst, worst, best jobs later. With you being in your your field, what have you noticed with like workplace politics? Because I noticed you, you also have moved around a lot as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am the kind of guy, once I get bored with a job, it's time for me to find something new because I, I need things to keep my interest. Mm-hmm. So... Every year to two years, I tend to switch jobs because I get bored. When it comes to workplace politics, I try to stay out of it. I say I'm a programmer. I just want to write code. Mm-hmm. 
I don't care about office politics. I mean, the place where I work now is at a research lab. It's nothing but office politics. And I, and I have to be engrossed in it and I hate it. I hate having to deal with it. I just want to do work that I'm interested in. Right. Do it and be done with it. I don't care about all the background stuff, but as you start to progress further in the career and get into more positions where there's some level of power, you have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I have been in the field for 10 years and I am still just a software engineer. I could be a team lead. I could be a project manager, but then it's all just politics. And I don't ever want to do that. Right. Yeah. I, I don't like that either. I learned about workplace politics uh, when I got my job at PayPal. I started off uh, entry level and I was just, you know, taking calls, of course, in the, in the call center. And when I wanted to move you know move up or get uh or participate in different things like training you had to play you had to play a game they say you had to dress a certain way you had to i don't want to say be a favorite of anybody's but something they had demand the general manager the floor manager had to know like had to know you and he had to respect you he had to you know he had to take notice to you and things like that it's a lot, a lot of bs right because you know we 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 were told that for instance you how you dress they don't say you have to dress in a, in a in a tie and a shirt and khaki pants every day, but it's very less. It's a very less dress code. So young black men would come in there, you know, not wearing any old thing, but jeans, t-shirt, hats, sweatshirts. You know, girls were you know kind of just doing the same thing. They were very relaxed with their with their clothing as well, and you no, know, it didn't seem to bother anybody. But when you wanted to advance, it's like okay, I want to do ch- I want, but for me, I wanted to do training. They're like, okay, well, you 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 got to change something about you. Like, well, what I need to change. Well, you're the, you're a parent. You need to come here dressed like you like you like you're a manager. Because well, your management is professional, right? So that that kind of tipped me off a little bit, but I understood it. But at the same time, it's like you and me do this. I'm not. It's not even guaranteed in a sense. So I played I played the game. You know, I changed up. I started wearing you know button up shirts and things like that. Got rid of got rid of wearing the hat and the sweat sweatshirts. And they're like, oh, you look so nice, or, you know, this, that, and the third. And it's like, man, whatever. But I, I would get, you know, picked for certain things that I wanted to, I wanted to do and whatnot. So, And then when I got past that, it was learning not to piss off the, the right person. Right. You know, so if I had ideas about something that I, want, that I thought we should, you know, add or change, with, you know, within how we train people, you had to go through the right channels. If I went, if I, if I, if I skipped somebody and they got pissed off, then I wouldn't be doing the training no more because they felt as though I wasn't including them. It's like, well, I, not that I want to include you, but who are you? And, and so much as why do I have to include you in all this? Yeah, I think that's one of the things I've always hated about corporations was the number of middle managers is too damn high. <laughs> right. <laughs> So every manager got a manager all the way up the chain. And, it, and I always felt like this is so inefficient. This is so stupid. Right. So that's one thing I hate about the politics. And then, too, I applied twice for being a supervisor. Well, the first time I applied was to collections, to be a collection supervisor. And granted, I didn't have any collection experience. Right. I talked to a person I trained who actually got the position over there as, as a manager. And I asked him, you know, like, well, what's the guy looking for? What did you do in your interview? And, you know, pick his brain a little bit. So I can, you know, have some some ammo when I go into the interview. He gave me what I needed. I did really, really well. He pit somebody over me. And the only reason why is because the person he pit built a goddamn system for collections. 
And I, mean, I can't be mad at that. Right, yeah, that just makes sense. Right. I, I get it. I like I'd have picked him too. But that's the only reason why I lost out to, to that position. The second time I applied for it, they had somehow concocted that they wanted and planned out they wanted this one guy to be a supervisor. But they couldn't just fly, just give it to them. Right. So they had to make everybody interview. Yeah, they had to put on airs like they were exactly. going to choose somebody but, different. But behind closed doors, as well as it was kept, one guy was retiring. Another person will step in and take over for him to tell as an interim. But in the meantime, they're going to hold open interviews and they're going to have him interview, but they will give him the job anyway. Yeah, yeah, make it look like he was the best candidate. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it was like, it was like once you, once you figure that out, like, what's the point of interviewing? And then that whole, the whole stick of getting to the next level was what they told me was, you know, drawing your interview really well. Your numbers are, you, but it boils down to your numbers. And I'm like, okay, I meet my goal. But yeah, but you, you know, sometimes you're not exceeding the goal. I'm not exceeding it. And I'm, and sometimes I wasn't consistent. And I'm like, okay, so you want somebody to be perfect then. At least and on paper. You want somebody to be perfect. And then think about with, with the product, with the product that we're, that we're servicing is not perfect. We as a people are not perfect, but you expect me to come here and be perfect. I can, I can give you 110% every day, but I may fall short. I did it. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Well, then you're a better man than me. I'm, I'm always going to look at it like you can't make me something that I'm actually not. Because in my work experience, at least in you know the more service jobs that I did before I got into my career where I got to sit in front of a computer and not deal with anybody, <laughs> is I've always worked hard. I don't know where that acumen came from. Probably from my mom and my daddy. They were always really hard workers. Mm-hmm. And I never really asked for a promotion, but I, you know, the times that I was given to assistant manager or stock room manager is it, because it's like, all right, yeah, he looked like he's he's really hard worker. Give him a position because we want to keep him here. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think I've ever asked for a, yeah, any, any promotion. They were just always given to me based yeah. off of you know, my work acumen. Well, that's good. That's good for you. Yeah, I, the only places PayPal was that was that first job where I had I applied to a to a higher level when I got it, and I was and if I had I probably not gotten sick, I, I eventually would have been a supervisor. So, <clears throat> but they kicked me to the curb once I got sick. So that's how that's how that went. Yeah, we know how that story goes. Yeah, are there, are there any good bad managers that stick out in your head over these over these past few years? <laughs> I can't say about. Good ones. No, no, I've had a couple of good ones, but I've had a whole, whole (laughs) lot of bad ones, especially when doing customer service. Working at Pizza Hut, my manager, she she was a bad fucking manager. She go off on employees. She would go off on customers. And then she wasn't a big woman. So it's like somebody's going to beat your ass. When I worked at a homeless shelter, the same thing. This, this tiny, tiny woman going off Napoleon on these homeless complex. dudes. Yeah, just just this inferiority complex has to be, you know, I'm the manager. You got to do what the fuck I say. Going off on the homeless guys, and there's hundreds of these homeless guys, and she just in their faces, ready to fight. And I'm like, you can't do that. One of these dudes will fucking hit you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we had and having to physically get between her so that homeless dudes wouldn't beat her ass because she getting in their faces trying to fight them because they they having some grievance with her. She she probably felt protected enough. Oh, I think that's me. what it was. Because like, <laughs> any time she would get up in their faces and they look like they about to jump, I had to jump physically get in the way. It was like, yo, don't do that, don't do that. So I think. You're at that homeless shelter. I won't say her name, even though I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it completely. 
bitch. <laughs> she was the worst manager I've ever had to deal with at, at the at the homeless shelter. Mm-mm. The worst the worst manager I can think of. I, I it was it's two 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 scenario two stories here. One was why well, I used to work in Miss Attire. And I was a general service tech. So I was pretty much like a gopher, you know, going to get parts for tires from different stores. When the tire truck came, I unloaded tires and stacked the tires up and things like that. And I would do a bunch of oil changes and flat tire repairs. The manager I had at the last store I worked at, fuck, I'm going to say his name, Ray. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he, cool, he, he, he cool, but he would be on this shit. So one day he said, he told me like, hey, man, come come with me. I got, I got an iron. We, we, we need to run. So I'm like, okay, I need, I'm going to think nothing. I think we about to go to the tire warehouse or something. So we, we, we ride along in this tire truck. He takes me to his garage, uh, to his house. Hmm. And he says, all right, we about to clean out my garage. I'm like, who? He said, me and you. I said, I'm not doing that. He said, was you on the clock? I said, that's not part of my job, Christian, to go to, to go through your, to clean out your garage. I said, I'm not doing that. I will, and I, I didn't know where I was at, but I will, I will find a way to get out, <laughs> get out of here. Like, I ain't no way in the world I'm about to clean out your garage. He's like, you, you serious? Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. All right. You know, I was going to give you a couple of dollars. That nigga wouldn't give me no couple of dollars. That's he, why he mentioned that you were on the clock. You were already getting, getting a couple, couple of dollars. dollars. Exactly. <laughs> so that was, that was, that was one manager who I just like, he was just, he, he, he was up and down. One day he'd be cool. And next minute he'd be like, all right, we got to do this. It'd be some bullshit. And I, was, I, I could not stand it. But then when I worked at uh, Panera Bread, a couple of managers were cool. But the system that they had in place for management was asinine. Hmm. Because you would have, on any given day, six managers. Nice. How the fuck does that even work? Right. You have, it's like, and then you got, so it means you got six managers, six people in your ear if you fuck up. And it's like, you make a mistake while you get, you may, you might have, you might mess the order up. You might give out the wrong order. So one person worry about ticket times. One person worry about your shirt not being tucked in. One person worry about you not putting the soup on in enough time. And then, then different things like that. And it's like, oh my God, like, why are all y'all on my back? Instead of helping me, it's like, I'm getting bit, I'm getting bitched at from three to four different people. And then I got hear about it again for the next three to four people to come in for the next shift. Nice. So that did, so like I said, this, just that system of so many managers. And then think about it. Nobody's telling you a way to improve. Like say like, you know, Hey, when you get slammed, before you get slammed, do this and do that. That cut down your time and anything like that. Because one day, one of the managers, this bitch, her April. Oh, he revealing names and shit. Yeah, I'm dropping names today, baby. She told me that, you know, uh, so-and-so was mad with you. Talking about the general manager. She's just disappointed you. You could do so much better. So I'm like, well, what did I do? Because you just told me all that, and I don't know what I did wrong. So she, she, she just, and just walked away. So I went up to the general manager. I said, hey, can I talk to you real quick? He's like, yeah. I, April just told me that you're disappointed in me and I could do a lot better. What I do wrong? Cause I don't, cause she didn't give me any information as to what I did wrong. Right. And so me and him had a conversation and everything. And at the end of it, he said, you know what? I appreciate you coming up to me and ask me how you can do better because you know, nobody's ever done that before. So in some, in some sense, I gained the respect and I impressed him. But had the bitch said to me, Hey, give me some kind of feedback, some, something, that, some, uh, some positive feedback and some better critique. Then just, ugh, you can do better. And then walk away was not helpful at all. Sounds pretty helpful to me. Do better. Pretty succinct. (laughs) You would think that, of course. (laughs) 
<laughs> so tell us about a time when they told you that uh they let you go because you you were you you weren't too enthusiastic to work or something like what was it too you just seemed you you just seemed eager to work there or something like that. Which one was that? I think it was that was a spry. Oh yeah. That was that was actually my other terrible manager. That and that was actually in my field. So the company I don't even know if they exist anymore, but fuck it, I'll say the name. Spry Inc. It's since we're dropping names, the president was Brooke. <laughs> so that story I told about the, the the job offer, this was the other job. So I had the job now. The granted, they were paying me less than what they promoted the job for. I took it because I just I needed to get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm making terrible wages for the for the job that I'm doing. 40, 45k a year. Hold up. You starting off making 45k. Mm-hmm. But that's the position was advertised at sixty six. Oh, so I'm I'm making you should, shit. You should be slapping everybody in the face <laughs> right now, office. I took it. I was, it was like you know what, hit my foot in the field, and this you know after six months, we're gonna give you you know five thousand dollar raise. I'm like okay, I'm I'm busting my ass. Mm-hmm. I get my performance review after six months. It's a good performance review, and I'm thinking in my contract. I'm supposed to be getting this extra $5,000. Now, I was already distraught when I found out how much everybody else was making. And this is a point to anybody in the job. Ask people what they make. Now, As employees, ask everybody what they make. I thought that was taboo, though. Management and companies made that taboo because oh. they don't want workers to be able to oh. say, oh, look, he's making such and such. Why am I making such and such? Oh, uh, okay, okay. Ask your fellow co-workers what they make. So one of my one of my co-workers, a great guy, I love the guy. He's not as experienced as a programmer as me. He wanted to switch over to being a programmer. He was a data analyst. He's not an experienced programmer, never done it. He's making $83,000 a year. I'm like, what the fuck? You can't even write code because he's friends with the uh, manager. He's fr- he's friends with the president of the company and the and everybody else who's a, most of the people who are part of the company are friends with the with the the president and her family members who are part of the company. And that's why I want you such a company like the eight seven thousand dollars. Oh, because you think I'm gonna just give it to you on GP? I ain't these white folks. You gonna have to earn that. <laughs> Twenty years of friendship is earning. Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So now I'm com- so now and, and I'm asking other people how much you make ba- and and what they do mm-hmm. and, and they make way more than me and I'm doing the either the same thing or more and I'm I'm destroyed. I'm like yo, I'm not fucking feeling this shit no more. I had my performance review. My performance review was good, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get this five thousand dollars, but it ain't great. I'm already starting to look for a new job. So we're gonna take you from forty five to fifty to fifty. And my team lead comes to me and says, because the president gave me my performance review. Brooks says that you didn't want your extra your bonus. I said, excuse me? Yeah, she said you didn't want your bonus. I said, I will smack that bitch in the face. I said this about the president to my team lead. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, well, you know, if you if you want your money, you should bring that up. I said, I shouldn't have to. It was in my contract. Well, I'll talk to her. And so a week later, we had a conversation about it. Said, okay, you know, what we'll do is we'll wait another six months and then we'll reassess it. <laughs> Productivity from Stefan went, went down the drain. I mean, granted, I was still doing my work, but we had team meetings. I got my head down. <laughs> <laughs> you you doing shit like this. Yo, no, I mean, my head is on the desk. <laughs> when it's time for me to talk, I left my head up and then put my head back down. Again, I'm still doing my work. Right. 
And so, but they, they called me and they, they let me go. They said, because again, I had no infractions ever. I had no, no write-ups, nothing. Right, they right. said that, you know, you know, you, no enthusiasm and, you know, not doing the bare minimum. I said, are you serious? Really? <laughs> and again, and I was, I was adamant about the job being shit. I was vocal about it. So I understand why they would let me go. Cause I was vocal. I was telling them. They want you, they want you to be a cancer to the rest of the people around there. Right. And, and, you know, they had brought a new guy in and he was making less than me. And I'm like, yo, they dicking you. <laughs> Damn. They dicking you. And again, I was vocal. So I understood. But, you know, they had a bullshit reason why they let me go. But I, I get it. Right. For them to say, well, you know, you didn't bring your money. Why well, should I bring my money up if it's in my, it's my in contract. my contract. It was in the contract. That you need to read the contract then. So I'm like, hey, well, fuck this job. It seemed like either, either had, had you even mentioned the money at the end, at the end of your review, that could they could turn that around and say, oh, he was just concerned about his his money. At the oh end. yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, white people play that bullshit. So again, it, people ask your coworkers how much they make. It don't don't make it a big secret because so, that way management will dick everybody, and you won't even know about it because I don't like to talk about my finances. Yeah, I always thought that was taboo, like you shouldn't do that. Because, I, I mean, I never... No, that started from the top. Because okay. when the workers know how much they make, then they can know who's getting screwed over. True. But you also have to remember, too, I won't say you you per se, but people out there, if you start in a, if you started a job and you've been there for like two or three years and they bring in like some new people in, that starting wage might adjust. So if you come in and like, I came in at PayPal making 13 an hour. And they brought and maybe like when I was in my 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 next position, they brought another class in. They were making fifty. They were starting off making fifteen. Again, you talk about that. Yeah. Give me your paper. I mean, that same thing happened to me when I was working at Brookstone. Mm-hmm. I was seven fifty, and then they had new people come in making eight twenty five. And then I talking to the manager because I asked, I'm like, how much you make? Oh, I make eight twenty five. I said, no, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I said, Rob, what is going on? He's like, you know, they seasonal. I don't care that they seasonal. He said, you know, you're a permanent employee, so you should maybe want to give me a bump so that I'll stay a permanent employee. Right. Yeah. This is why I talk to people because new people coming in. Sure. If they get a if they starting higher then you as a person who's been there, you need to be bumped up to where they starting at. Now, do you, now do, would you consider the fact that they start higher if they have uh, maybe experience in that position or not? If or they're doing that? the same work? No. Okay. You're new to the company, regardless if you have experience. If you're doing the same work as me who's been there for a while, no. In the field that I work in now, in the companies that I work with, I talk to my coworkers about what, what I make. I said, I've been in here for 10 years. I make such and such. You're doing, you see, you, you're just starting out and you make, and, and if it's low, if it's really low, then I'm like, talk to somebody about that mm-hmm. because they dicking you around. Man. It's cutthroat out here. <laughs> cutthroat. It is cutthroat, but we as we as the working class don't need to be cutthroat to each other. No. There's management who throats you can cut. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that very well put. Very well said. So well, I guess that was the, well, that, that was the worst jobs we've had. Yeah. It, it bad management we had. So yeah, that's worst and bad management. Okay, so let's go. Let's go leave it a positive note. Then, good managers. Let's see. I think my, my one of my favorite managers was uh, my very first manager, Sam. Sam Mason. I, I don't know if he listens to this. Probably doesn't. Uh, but he's a friend of my brother's. But my my brother knew him at this coffee at the coffee shop he worked at, and that's how I got my first job. But Sam was just the coolest manager you ever asked for. 
you know, as long as you didn't bullshit and dick around, it, you, you know, you you always in Sam's good graces. And it was one it was, it was one point in time, Sam had left and went to another store. And, you know, he when he left, he told me, like, you know, hey, man, make sure you're on your best shit. Because, you know, if you're not, they're probably going to they, try, probably try to get rid of you. Because I'm not going to hear, I'm not here to, you know, speak up for you. So I said, all right, I got you. And when he left, and that's when I kind of like, I really, I started working harder. Like, I developed my, my work ethic really came more into play. Like, I was doing stuff up and beyond my position to a certain extent. I was, I just made sure my shit was just tight, you know, right. stocking up and making sure that they, you know, I was a team player and things like that. So when Sam came back after maybe like a two year stint almost, I think, when he came back there, he was like, Oh, I see you still here. And you know, they got, they, they ain't saying nothing bad about you. I said, of course not. You know, you, you told me what to do and that's what I did. So I've always kept that in mind, you know, to always do, do what you can, do, do more of what you can, if you can. And the other good manager I had that really stuck out to me, her name was uh, Kelly at PayPal. So I would say she's a good, great manager because she, she took me under her wing and showed me not how to play this game with these white people, but just how to better myself and prepare myself for when the opportunity comes. Hmm. So, you know, when, as long as you're doing the right things all the time, and then when they ask you, Hey, do you want to do training? Do you want to do this? You want to do that? You want to, do you want to cover for a team lead? You are ready for that. And then you have to do nothing extra. So that's what I learned from her. And I really do appreciate that. And that's something I keep with me as well. Even though I'm not working right now. If I were to go back into a call center or some kind of management position, like I already got the mindset of what I need to do and how they, how they carry myself. So thank you, Kelly. Yeah. As far as. Best managers for me. I'm going to try to be impartial because sometimes I've worked with family members, <laughs> so I can't include you. I'm sorry, Uncle Lester. I'm sorry, Uncle Earl. <laughs> so I can't include you in my best managers because we were family. <laughs> so, you know, one of the best managers that I had was Rob when I worked at Brookstone. I mean, cool dude. When I came to him about that complaint, Mm-hmm. About you know the the new people coming in, even though they were seasonal, they were making more than me. He promoted me to the stockroom manager so that I could get a big bump in pay, just to keep me there because he wanted me there. And again, the position needed filling. I've been working there, and he's like, you know what, you're a hard worker. I know you can do the job. You've been helping. You know, you've been assisting the other stock the, the stockroom manager who they just promoted. Take his job. We give you the pay bump. Let me let me ask you this for you. I, I'm sorry, but how, how serious was that stockroom? Cause that was a small, that was a small ass store in Towson Mall. They had two stock rooms, one upstairs on the fourth floor and another one across the street. I'm sorry, my bad. And I was the <laughs> only one doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, <laughs> don't diminish what I had to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't, don't diminish what I had to go through with that bullshit. <laughs> This man said across the street. <laughs> yeah, they had two stops. One on the floor for a bigger shit and another one across the street at the storage center. Continue. <laughs> so he, he's he's one of he he was you know one of the best managers they had again, because he understood that, you know, he gotta do what he has to do to keep his people, mm-hmm. even though he did do some bullshit <laughs> that I had to go through. But Outside, but you know that's everybody. And outside of that, the the only other manager that I could say that I I really really enjoyed working with was when I was out College Park. You know, I was going to school out College Park, and my manager, the White Russian, that's what I always called him, the White Russian Constantine. <laughs> that was my ace, boom, coon. <laughs> Just he he. 
just that was my ace boon coon. I said I was working in when I was you know the entire time I was at college park. He said he, he you know he gave me a job. I came in to talk to him. He was like whenever you want to start working. Boom. And then, you know, I left after school was out for break and I came back and he was like, Stefan, I need you back here, man. I will get you a paper. I will make you assistant manager. I like, I just came to say hi, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. How much you go up to? So I, when I started it out, I was started at seven, and then when I came back, he gave me seven fifty, made me assistant manager, oh, gave okay. me some responsibility, and granted, he he used that to to slave drive me, <laughs> opening and closing all the goddamn time. The seven fifty. Well, you know what, my shit. I know I know managers that worked at GameStop and what was that other place in the mall, Power Gamer. Yeah, they were managers. Eight dollars an hour, eight fifty an hour managers. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, again, this was some years ago. Management wasn't working, making that much. Nah, yeah, we talking about like 2005, 2006. So. Yeah. So, Rob, Constantine, wherever we are, <coughs> y'all the shit. Like I said, <laughs> I'm being impartial. I can't say my uncles. <laughs> <laughs> you did work at Popeyes. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And both of the times that I work at Popeyes, I worked with one of my uncles. I'm sure we got some, you got some stories for you for days about Woo! that. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> But we ain't got time for that here tonight. Oh, boy. So we went over uh, interviewing for jobs, workplace politics, good and bad managers, and best and best and worst jobs we've had. So uh, any advice you want to give to our audience out there? Before yeah, before, we, yeah before we close out, anybody, when you're going on a job, before you even go on a job, <laughs> learn how to sell yourself. See, understand what the position is asking for, but nine times out of ten, people <coughs> hire somebody that they like. So learn how to sell yourself. Figure out everything that you would consider your strength and play that the fuck up. Because it'll go a long way in for somebody to say, yeah, I like this person's personality. I want them on my team. Or find a place that's desperate to hire people. <laughs> Either way. Just stand there like this. <laughs> you see the side, bro. You hiring. You know you need pe- You know you need people. Oh boy, that's funny. It's not a desperate place to hide somebody. <laughs> uh, I do, let's see, what advice could I would I want to give somebody? Well, yeah, I think that with all the all the, the resources we have available to us now, like Google and YouTube, me and stuff on the head that growing up. So if there's something that you're not sure about, like interviewing skills or how to conduct yourself in the interview, what things the the man, the, the interviewer might be asking you. Google that, YouTube it. It's always a, it's always some kind of form or some answer out there. Just gonna answer your question pretty much. I would say, you know, use your resources. Use your resources because you know they're they're available and it's just more than whatever you use you Google and YouTube for. I promise you, there's a whole lot of helpful stuff out there as well for it too. So and like stuff on say, you know, research. And sell yourself. If you can't sell yourself, why do you want to hire you? All right. I think that covers everything. Yep. So what episode is this? 48. We made it episode 48. Eight, 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 eight. Well, when he's done cheering. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's the show. And as always, you can check us out on YouTube. Listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like, listen, comment, and share. And don't forget to subscribe. Dun, dun, dun. That's the show. (laughs) Peace out. Peace out.